Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Right, well, this is going to be fun, isn't it? Doing a, uh, a podcast that nobody's going to listen to. Um, but here we are for, for anybody that has decided to to tune in after Tottenham's first loss of the season. Isn't that a novelty? Um, here we go. Here's some thoughts on the game. Um, yeah, obviously a real real sucker punch to lose that one. Um, looked like we were going to manage to sort of shut it out, get a point there, which in itself would have been pretty disappointing. Um, honestly, I didn't really think much of sporting at all. I thought kind of in that first half... Especially, they had little periods where they looked all right, but in the first half, we looked very, very comfortable. Um, I do think, kind of, to to the point that I was talking to Kyle about the other day on on the podcast about how much of Tottenham's first half kind of tactic is conscious. Um, our first half tactic, in so much as it seems to be that we kind of just absorb quite a bit of pressure let the other team do their thing, surrender possession to them and uh, hit them on the hit them in the second half, kind of bring our game more out in the, in that second half. Um, I do feel that was that was pretty much the case again. Today, like, uh, Tottenham had quite a bit of the ball, I thought, in the first half. Um, and I think that was more just down to sort of the fact that Sporting kept kind of giving away possession pretty cheaply. Uh, they weren't doing much of it. Other than obviously right at the end of the the first half, mini Messi, Marcus Edwards, pretty sublime run. But we'll we'll talk a bit more about him in a minute. Overall, the game it just yeah it I thought it was there for the taking for Tottenham. I really do. Um, we were we were just very wasteful, very very wasteful. We didn't do anything at all that was very good with the ball when we had it I didn't think anyway it was it seemed laboured it seemed disjointed going forwards and it seems strange to say because obviously we've ended up conceding goals two goals goals plural it seemed that we were pretty well organised again defensively speaking the unit was functioning pretty well the way in which we kind of set up again doesn't really lend itself to to allow the opposition to have any kind of meaningful opportunities at least or really kind of impose much on us that's that threatening really. Um, and I mean, we've got plenty plenty of gripes with individuals. I know people have issues with Dyer, people have issues with Davies. Um, Romero, it wasn't a classic Romero performance tonight, I didn't think. But as a unit... They all seem to function pretty well and stop the opposition really doing anything. But it's hard to kind of say that with a straight face now when we've when we've conceded two goals at the end. Um, if we really look at it, corner, goal from a set piece, you know, those happen, what, one in 20 times? Maybe it's just luck of the draw. Maybe it's just one of those things that's happened. Um it's, I don't know. I I find it hard to really. I, I've never I've never really been in that habit of like digging players out 
when you concede from a set piece, especially a corner so much, I think these things just sometimes happen. Um, I think you, you, you obviously train to prevent those things happening. And you're supposed to have players of an individual quality that, again, stops those things from happening. But I do, more often than not, you know, there's a reason why set pieces are, you don't want to concede them, right? Because they're dangerous and those things happen. Not all the time, but they can happen, evidently. So I don't really want to dig anyone out for that one too much. The second goal, it's pretty, what was his name? Arthur, was it? Arthur, I think he was a new signing for them as well. Um, let's have a quick look. Arthur. Yeah. Let's have a look at him. Because, I mean, that that was an unbelievable goal. Maybe some Emerson Royale could have done a bit better. But, again, probably pretty harsh, I think, to, to go in too hard on him there. Because, yeah, that lad just kind of hit. That was, that was a pretty special goal. Just one you sort of got to hold your hold your hands up and say, yeah, you've done us there, mate. Um, let's have a look. When did I get him? Arthur. Is it Arthur Gomez? Yeah, Arthur Gomez. They signed him from... So he came from... Came from he's Brazilian, but he came from a Brazilian team to another Portuguese team, Estoril. Who uh, they seem to be? I don't know. I've never really heard them before, but I, so I'm guessing one of the smaller teams. Uh, Sporting have picked him up this this summer. Um, really good goal. Really, really good goal. He's only 24. Wouldn't be overly surprised to see him pop up in the Premier League, something like Chelsea or something like that, in a couple of years. Manchester United. Uh, they have a habit of signing tricky wingers, don't they? But yeah, that was, you know. That was that was pretty gnarly. Um, Marcus Edwards, what an unbelievable run. What an unbelievable run. And he was he looked bright, he looked dangerous for for a lot of the game. I do feel, if you want if you want my real hot take on it. So number one, I think that we can look on players like Marcus Edwards um and say, why didn't we do more with him? Why didn't we hold on to him? And there's potentially something in that, you know, there might be something to that. I've seen a few people on Twitter talk about sort of the various different rumours about his his father, who was his agent at the time, maybe still now, falling out with Spurs and whatever, you know, we we it didn't manage to didn't manage to happen, didn't manage to keep him. But is there anything to say that he would have turned into the Marcus Edwards that he is now if he had stayed at Spurs? Is it the fact that he's moved abroad, um, moved to a to a team? I can't. I, for the life of me, I can't remember the team he played for before Sporting. Uh, let's have a look now. But is is there something to say in the fact that you know if he's he's getting guaranteed football elsewhere, week in week out, less pressure on him, less kind of press scrutiny after Pochettino probably had a bit of a misstep in calling him the mini Messi. Is there anything to say that, like, you know, that maybe, maybe in that, that he's, he's just kind of, he's in the right place, right? Because I do feel like, like I said, I'm a hot take. I do kind of feel that he might be the type of player that if we, that if we had now, if we signed him back, say, this summer, 
if we watched him week in, week out, he might irritate us a bit. Um, I thought he was really good. He was very bright, very... He stretched us, right? He stretched the defence, but I don't often think his final ball was really there. Uh, it did seem like it was lacking. He's still a very young player. He's still 23. Don't get me wrong. But also, you know, I think we're going to have uh, an additional kind of layer of like what could have been with a player like that that looks promising. And yeah, let, let's not forget that that run that he had that could have been like one of the greatest goals we've seen in the Champions League for a long time. Um, but other than that, yeah, like I say, he did stretch play. He looked bright, but he didn't do what that Arthur lad did, for example. You know, and that might seem harsh, but also, I don't know. You know, maybe food for thought. Good luck to him, though. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not digging him out. He's on the, he's on the winning team this evening. I'm sure he's having a good night. I'm sure he's very happy to have kind of gotten one over us. And good luck to him. You know, don't. I'm not really into the whole like people shouldn't celebrate or people should whatever against previous clubs. Ah, it's whatever. Do what you got to do, lads. Um, good luck to him. But yeah, Spurs. It's it's a bit of an annoying one. That like I say. I expected us really to come away with with at least a draw um, as the game went on. But even with a draw, I would have been quite disappointed. So obviously losing this game is is, is not ideal. Uh, I would like to think we'll do them in the reverse fixture at home. Just wasn't very good tonight. It just wasn't very good. The, the, it looked like we were a bit all over the place, um, especially going forwards. It looked like the people just weren't kind of moving to the beat of the same drum. We looked a bit kind of disjointed. Uh, let, let's go through the players. Let's go through the players because, you know, this is kind of going to spill out into that. Um, so let's build, let's pull up the, the lineup today. So Hugo Lloris. Um, he had like one little whiffy moment towards when it was still nil-nil when the ball was kind of coming in, but I think he just misjudged. And I think the ball just kind of rolled in a funny way where it kind of looked like the ball was going to come back into the box for him, but it didn't. And he ended up having to make a little bit of a mad sprint outside of the box and kind of turn and hoof the ball out. And it, yeah, it just sort of looked a bit uncomfortable. But I thought in terms of, his overall play, the things that he's been doing a bit weirdly lately, he seemed to not be doing those. I thought he was pretty, he commanded his box well. Uh, I thought he was claiming a lot of crosses very well, not doing his punching shit, just jumping up, catching the ball, claiming it, letting the kind of be a moment of like breathing space, letting the team get reorganized and then playing sort of decent passes out to them. Um, his save. And it shouldn't be overlooked. His save for Marcus, like Marcus Edwards' run into the box, um, the prod there, I thought Hugo was unbelievable there. Not much was made of it, and it's understandable. I don't, you know, I'm not saying this is in like oh, nobody was giving the Tottenham players enough praise. Of course, the focus is going to be on Marcus Edwards' unbelievable run, but I do think Hugo's save was absolutely phenomenal there. 
And uh, right at the end as well, when it was still nil-nil, he uh, he pulled that full stretch. I think it was <laughs> the save that actually led to the goal from the corner was pretty remarkable as well. Really, really quite remarkable. Um, again, I'm not I'm not sure if he could have done better with a corner. Like I was sort of saying a minute ago, I don't really like digging players out off of set pieces, especially corners. I think it's just a bit of a gamble. I think these things just sometimes happen. So good performance from Lloris tonight overall. Don't think there was much he could have done with the, with the second goal either. It was just a really good goal. Really good goal. But good performance from Lloris. Christian Romero. Not good for... You know what? Um, I don't think he's been that good for the past few games now. Actually, again with the I think if there was if I was gonna I know Royale is gonna be kind of the the probably the choice person to criticise because he got nutmegged, but I do think Romero could have done better there. I do think Romero could have done better. It was just again those kind of. You've got to be careful, right? I think the, the player was in the box, so he was just kind of tentatively sort of jabbing jabbing at the ball, but he didn't really... I don't know. He, I just I felt like he could have maybe done better. I think he could have sort of thrown caution to it and just thought, you know what, fuck it. Let's just, let's just go to ground and try and get the ball. And If I give away a penalty, I give away a penalty. It, it, it felt a little scrappy, and I felt that he was just a little scrappy throughout quite a bit of the game. I thought his kind of... His passing was a bit off. His passing's usually very good. Like I said the other week, that he seems like a, to be a completely new generation of defender, one that kind of gets forward and gets involved quite a lot at the business end of the pitch. Um, even in that sense, I don't think he was great tonight. I think he, I just, I think he struggled a bit with. Uh, I don't really know if it's the pace of the game or. The way in which we were playing, it just seemed like he was kind of one of maybe the main proponents of why we were a bit all over the shop, tempo-wise. Um, as he's somebody that often dictates that tempo for us and we kind of rely on him and his quality to, to be able to do that. I just thought he was a bit off. Um, maybe he's one of those players that's so good that when he's not at his best, Tottenham aren't at their best. Could be something in that. Not 100%. Um it just it felt, in an eye test sense, it felt like he was a bit off, you know. Eric Dyer, um, pretty just an Eric Dyer performance, I thought. Just solid, pretty dependable. Yeah, he, he I think he got roasted by Marcus Edwards, if I recall. But I think quite a few defenders would in that situation. I think that was more about Marcus Edwards being exceptional than it was Eric Dyer being poor. That's the way I'd interpret that. But I thought he was pretty solid for most of the game. I thought his passing was really good. I thought a lot of the balls he was playing up to uh, Richarlison quite often were really good. And that's kind of what we've missed since Toby Alderweireld's not been in the team. Um is having somebody like from deep that can ping those balls. And we know Dyer's got that in his locker. We know Dyer kind of when he had his few stints at playing right back at times, 
some of his crosses were unbelievable when he was doing that. Um, so I think his kind of probing for balls are good. I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of confirmation bias for Dyer. People see what they want to see uh, negatively about him. I just think he's fine. I think he's a fine player. I think he's solid. I think he's a decent enough performance. Ben Davies. Again, I probably I'd lump him in with Dyer, you know. And I think maybe maybe this is part of the problem. Maybe people want players of a hybrid. Maybe they fall into this similar category that I used to kind of list Hoybier in, saying that they're good players, they're fine, but we need better. Maybe maybe that's the deal. Um, but Davies again, I thought he was thought he was fine tonight. Fine, I won't really kind of single him out has been aberratively terrible or anything like that. I just thought it was a pretty typical Ben Davis performance, sort of 7 out of 10. Maybe drop it to a 6 out of 10 because we've lost 2-0. So ultimately, him, Dyer and Romero haven't done their jobs properly, have they? So that's kind of, <laughs> that's how we can sort of quantify that one. Um, Emerson, I thought actually, you know what? I, I actually think he had a really good game. I thought he was putting through a few meaningful crosses. Uh, I thought he got on the end of he got on the end of those two opportunities from Perisic, didn't he? The one that was kind of that looping sort of header where he sort of knocked it up, and I think it almost actually took the goalkeeper off guard a bit. Um, the sporting goalkeeper, he yeah, he kind of just sort of like poured it out of the goal because um, I think the sort of the looping effect on the ball kind of caught him unawares a bit, and then there was that second chance just just shortly after that one where he kind of he went to ground and the keeper dropped to his knees and kept it out but other than that yeah I think he I think he had a, a pretty decent performance he was up and down the wing I think his end product is getting better I think defensively he's very sound but I mean that's that's going to be up for debate right people are going to be I'm sure very much disagreeing with me there and saying that he is at fault for the for the second goal but Again, like I say, I just think it was a pretty exceptional goal, really. Um, pretty exceptional goal from, I mean, <laughs> it's the first involvement of the player as he got onto the pitch, so who knows how good he is over the course of a match. But, I mean, that's, that's one hell of an impact, right? One hell of a, uh, of a performance, I guess, relative to the time he's been on the pitch. Can you say that? Would you say that, like, after... After a couple, yeah, you know, someone's been on the pitch for five minutes. Can you still say like the score of goals? You say it's a brilliant performance. It's weird, isn't it? What what what's the cutoff point? Would you say someone's had a good performance if they play sixty minutes around that mark? If you get what I mean, or is it just all relative? Your performance can this is you know going philosophical here. Forget the whole like should a yellow card be rescinded if the goal doesn't stand debate. At what point do you class? a player's time on the pitch as a performance. One to ponder. Pierre Mihoibier, good game, I thought. Uh, it's just another one of those games, isn't it, where our system kind of didn't really allow him to shower himself in glory. But I thought in the second half, there was one who did one really, really neat little thing where he managed to sort of rob the ball off of one of the sporting players knock it back over his own head spin and then like smack a ball up field to I can't remember if it was to Richarlison or Kulusevski but it was a lovely little skill and a lovely pass 
And I saw, I don't know if any of you have seen this. Let's have a look. There was a, there was a little like chart graph thing um, posted on Twitter this week. So yeah, it's uh, by somebody at FTBLNL. I guess that reads as Football Netherlands, maybe. Who knows? Uh, the tweet says, comparing the current Premier League Big Six DMs through their progressive pass maps from last season. And he's got Rodri, Fabinho, Hoybier, Party, Boo, Kante and Casemiro. And uh, Hoybier's six progressive passes per 90. Closest to him is Casemiro on 5.75. Uh, he's just been really good. He's had a really good season. I thought it was a really good game. I've got I've, like wildly, uh, wildly changed my uh, my position on him um, this year because he's just been, yeah, he's been really, really good. He's been really good. And I thought it was good tonight. I thought it was really good tonight. I, I, I wouldn't... I mean, what you might be able to argue that he the control comes from the midfield, right? But we've seen this system. We've seen kind of the way our midfield can just be completely bypassed to the point where they look non-existent. And it felt like that tonight, really. It felt like really what we were going hard on was... <laughs> oh, what The way in which we felt like what we were really trying to exploit was just get the ball out wide and get it into the middle, get it in the mix kind of thing. Phil, friend of the show, you may you you've, you must have heard him speak on here before. He made the point that he felt that uh, the whole kind of Tottenham sitting back in the first half thing is very deliberate because you rarely see Perisic or Emerson overlap in the first half. And I did sort of, that will be something for me to sort of pay attention to in, in one of the games coming up because that was, that was sort of at the end of the, first half but uh yeah he was saying that if you if you actually take a look at it like they never they never venture too far forwards um whereas if you look at this kind of second half Perisic was in their half for large parts of the game as was Emerson so there might be something in that um but I am I am definitely coming round to the idea that the way in which we play even if it is horrible this kind of oh we've had a terrible first half is just us doing what Conte wants us to do um might not be pretty but more often than not this season, it's gotten the job done. So let's see. Ben Tanker, much like Hoybier, I thought he had a decent game. I thought his booking was, yeah, questionable. I guess he stopped played any professional foul or whatever, but it was sort of debatable as to whether or not how much of a foul it actually was, I thought. But I thought he had a good performance. It's funny, the commentators told said, told me, they told me, one-on-one uh, they said here's some info for your for your one-man podcast that you do at the end of games mate that's how massive I am the commentator said during the game that Bentaco hasn't scored for like I think it's like 156 games or something like that league games or might just be games club level which is pretty mad because there's a part of me that's thinking like, I swear I've even seen him score for Spurs but Yes, not. 
Yeah, he had he had one go at a bit of a shot from outside of the box, but he he does seem more like one of those players that's apprehensive and kind of just having a go, swinging a foot at it. He seems to be somebody more that always wants to look for a pass, which, let's be honest, is... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's probably the sign of a smart, kind of cultured European footballer. We've been kind of conditioned, haven't we, over the Premier League years to having players just twat it, which has its place. Uh, I'm not averse to that. I'm a bit of a proper football man. You know, I'm sort of on the fence so I do I do like a player that can just wallop it but Ben Tanker don't want to do that you don't want to do that but a decent performance I thought from him tonight Perisic I just yeah I think he's a proper player you know I really do his crossing's just unbelievable I think it, the sort of the the way in which he tells other players what to do I don't know if you saw it like he was barking at Davis quite a lot telling him where to go, which side to overlap, where to fall into place. And I think there was a, another opportunity later on when there was sort of some crossed wires between him and Richarlison in the box. And he was like having a go at Richarlison. And he just, he's, he's obviously, he's one of the elder statesmen of the squad and he's really, it seems to be he's really kind of taking that on as well. He's not, he's not at all intimidated by coming to Spurs. Um, in sort of the twilight of his career. Yeah, this is a guy that's played for some of the best clubs in the world. He's won the Champions League. He's won league titles. He's a proper, proper player. Um, It's just a shame that nobody was on the end of anything that he was creating tonight because, yeah, he, he, I thought it was another great performance. Defensively sound, but it's not really his job, really. I know it sounds weird to say because he is a sort of wing back, but... Going forwards, just just unbelievable. That one, the one cross that he played across the floor near enough that Kane couldn't get on the end of was just beautiful. Chef's kiss, chef's kiss. What a player! What a signing! Free transfer, can't believe it. Richarlison, I thought a good performance tonight. Um, he was pretty unlucky with a couple of couple of the opportunities that fell his way. Uh, he was. He got on the end of a. I think it was across from Perisic. Unsurprisingly, uh, he couldn't quite angle the header on target, but it was meaningful. Um, 
having somebody with his pace that can kind of break through the defensive line and you back to score is pretty invaluable. I don't think Kane is as actually as slow as people make out. I think Kane does have a beguiling turn of pace on him. His acceleration is not great, but I think once he's hit his sort of stride, I think he's, he's you know, he's not he's not Mbappe, is he? But he's he's got pace. But Richarlison actually does have quite a bit of pace. He's pretty quick out of the blocks. It was a shame that his goal was, I mean, it was definitely offside. Because at that point, I was just like, this is going to be nice now. Richarlison will score. We can be quite comfortable and then probably go and win 2-3-0. But, yeah, we didn't. We didn't. Um, I actually, I tweeted at the start. I'm, I'm just seeing now as I'm recording this. Um, <laughs> I tweeted, no excuses if we don't smash this lot. They look absolutely dogmark. And obviously now that's uh, that's getting picked up. But, you know, you've got to take your L's, right? You've got to take them. I can man up to that. I can I can tweet big, silly things, and I'm big and silly enough to uh, to take it. But Richardson, good performance, great performance. I'm glad to see him starting. Sonny, on the other hand, uh, I'm not. I'll be honest. I was not. I was not overly happy to see Kulisevsky on the bench. He's one of our best players. Uh, he's young, he's exciting, he's hungry, he's talented. We talk about rotation, right? But he's been out the side for, what, the past three, four games now? It's not really rotation, is it? And we're doing this to sort of what, to play Son into form, but are we not risking playing Kulisevsky out of form by keeping him out of the team because Son again was just I'm sorry I just thought he was abject like, I love Sonny I love Sonny I don't yeah I don't for a second forget everything that Son has done for us I don't forget what a great guy he is what a club legend he is he is a club legend already I don't doubt that he will hit his stride get back to it and be the son that we know and love. But at this point in time, he's horrific. He he is horrific. And I don't think you can make a case anymore, even if it is Conte's, we're going to play him into form. It ain't working. You know, it's not working at all. There's no, there's no chemistry at the moment between him and Kane. There was one little moment where him and Kane kind of combined quite well. And even the commentator was like, oh, you know, there they are. They remember each other kind of thing. But other than that, again, I just thought he was abject. I, th- I think he's totally in his own head. He just runs into opposition players. It's it, it's just not there. It's not there at the moment. He's, he's, he's not kind of, he's not reading the game very well. He's not anticipating what is kind of his, the opposition are doing or what his teammates are doing. He just seems to be in his own little bubble at the moment um, and just not really doing anything of note or worth or value. Worth and value, same thing, aren't they? Not doing anything of value for the team. Thanks for the memory, Son, but it's time to say goodbye for a couple of games. Not forever. Um, 
I want to see. I want to see Kane Kulisevsky and Richarlison. I want to see him given a go because it just it ain't happening at the moment. Um, him and Kane in particular just shadows of themselves. Shadows of themselves tonight. I mean, this bleeds into Kane because I don't want to let him off the hook. I don't. It sort of sounds like from the last point I was making that it's kind of Son's poor form that's rubbing off on Kane, and you know, Kane isn't. Kane's Kane has not been good the past couple of games. I don't think. Don't think he was very good against Marseille either. Um, we always know he starts the season slowly. I said the other day that at least he's scoring goals, but tonight I just again I I didn't really know what he was doing. He had that one opportunity where he he ran onto it, ran into the side of the box, and instead of sort of potentially being able to pick out Son on the other side of the box, he just kind of twatted it from an angle and yeah I mean it caused the keeper some problems but other than that you know it just seems like he's kind of caught in two minds constantly and I don't it's hard to know what the well it's not hard to know it's impossible to know what the directions from Conte are for him whether he wants him to drop back as much as he does but it always feels like when we're playing that Kane is out of position it feels like he should be We've finally got somebody now in Perisic that can play the sort of balls that somebody like Kane should be feasting on. And he just he isn't there. He's not there in the box. I don't know if it's that he can't play alongside another striker. Richarlison does kind of come inside quite a lot, play in a more sort of striking role. He doesn't I know he sort of sits out as a what a wide forward, inside forward, but he does come pretty cent like centrally for a lot of the game but he uh yeah it wasn't wasn't great wasn't a good performance from Kane tonight would have expected much better uh and you can't help but feel that you know if it wasn't Harry Kane um and maybe if we did have another option on the bench that Kane could have come off you know but it's just, it's another night. It's another strange night where Conte hasn't gone to his bench at all. He brought Kulisevsky on late second half, who looked unsurprisingly busy. He looked industrious. He looked like he was causing problems to them immediately when he came on. Would have loved to have seen him on the game uh, on the pitch for longer, but you know, no Sessignon. But Perisic was having a great game, so whatever. No Basuma on the pitch today. Came as a bit of a surprise, I think. We have Brian Hill on the bench. He's not going to give him a go, though, really, is he? Obviously, he doesn't like him much. Matt Doherty, who knows what's going on there? No idea whatsoever. Nothing from Jed Spence. I don't know. It just feels a little... Feels a little stale at the moment. It feels like... We keep having these conversations about, like, players aren't being dropped and... We need to remember we've got this big squad. We're going to keep rotating. We've got loads of games this year. We're going to keep rotating. But he ain't rotating. <laughs> he ain't changing anything up at all. And yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This is our first loss of the season. Uh, and on another day, we could have probably should have won this game. But we didn't. So it's not time for kind of knee-jerking or anything. But... I think you can say, and I think people have been saying, regardless of this, like 
he's not using his bench much. Why? Does he not trust those players? You'd assume not. But he's going to have to. It's the sort of game like tonight where it's pretty kind of stale for most of the game. I would have loved it. Honestly, I would have loved to have seen someone like Jed Spence come on. I've said Emerson had a good game. I do think he had a good game. But that kind of, those sort of glimpses we saw of the explosivity of Spence, I'd have loved to have seen him come on for maybe 60 minutes onwards, run at them, be kind of bullish. And I don't really get why Conte seems so averse to that. Um, well, I do get it. He's one of these, you know, he's from this school of pragmatic managers, isn't he? From risk averse, win at all costs type managers, which. You know, is maybe what we need. Is maybe what we need. We need that. To, we need somebody to get something over the line for us to to break. Break our break our duck. Do you say is that the saying? Break your duck. Score the first run of one's innings. Oh, it's a cricket thing. There you go. Oh yeah, because you get bowled out for a golden duck, don't you? If you get bowled, is it cricket Tories? Tell me, you you get they call it a golden duck, don't they? If you knock the ball and they catch it, or you get bowled on your first ball when you're batting, right? Anyway, it would just have been nice to see Conte use his bench a bit more, and just to see kind of you know just to fucking. See something a bit more exciting. Bit bit more excitement there from Tottenham. Um But there you go. I feel like I the funny thing is, right, you know what? I've actually felt weirdly out of practice um doing this tonight. Missing the football at the weekend. It's kind of like, you know, I've got that good momentum going doing these solo pods, doing it after the games and stuff. Um but did go went away, so went away Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, went to Paris, Charlotte's birthday. Um if you want to hear about excitement, I don't know if any of you know this, right? But on when on the first Wednesday of every month at lunchtime, or maybe the Tuesday, was it the Tuesday or the Wednesday? I think it was the Tuesday. Or was it the Wednesday? I can't remember. One of the days I was there, basically, and I found out afterwards, after the fact, that on the first Tuesday or Wednesday of the month, at 12 o'clock lunchtime, they play the fucking the air raid sirens. They test the system. The that thing. So we're walking around Paris like fucking munching croissants and stuff. Literally, not just not just being a Jeremy Clarkson. Literally munching croissants, and we hear the fucking air raid sirens going off. And I'm like looking at Shah, I'm saying like, are they, what, what's going on there? And she's like, I have no idea. And you sort of wait and it's still going. And I think it went for like two or three minutes. And I, I genuinely did start to think in my head, I was like, is this it? Is this, is this the end? Like, is this, have I missed something? Like the whole Ukraine conflict and NATO and all this type of stuff. Is this, is this what happens now? You just suddenly hear that and then flash a light and it's all gone. But I, it was quite sort of 
it was really eerie because I was looking around and seeing most people. It was quite, you know, it was a midweek, not holiday season or anything like that. So people just going about their business, cycling past, walking past. And it felt like some sort of weird, like I was in some kind of weird high concept television show or something like that. The sort of thing you sort of, you know, the BBC would do as a film in the 1970s, a TV film. Um, where, you know, when people were kind of obsessed with that kind of Cold War vibe. Um, what is that one film? The one set in Sheffield. It's horrible. Um, BBC, nuclear, bomb, film. Threads. Threads. Um, if you've not seen that, it's I think it's on YouTube, but you can pick it up on DVD, Blu-ray. I've got it on Blu-ray. I bought it for like a fiver or something like that. Um, Threads is it's a brilliant. I tell you what makes it brilliant. I think it's I, th I think it was like late seventies, early eighties, but like I say, it's kind of it's all. It's all wrapped up in that Cold War paranoia. It's about what would happen if a conflict in the Middle East escalated. Taylor's oldest time, right, escalated and the various different kind of ripple effects out of that ends up with Russia launching a nuclear attack on the UK. Um, and they... I, I can't remember if they nuke various sites or not, but this is all set in and around Sheffield. They bomb like a... I think it's like a, a UN airstrip or something like that that's based in, in Sheffield. And the majority of the film is then afterwards about kind of <laughs> a nuclear holocaust, like people trying to survive in it. But because it's kind of a BBC production in the 70s and 80s. And I don't know if it's because I kind of grew up... I don't know if anyone, like, grew up watching, like, all those, like, random little things they used to put on the BBC. Kind of... Before... Basically, before the BBC managed to entice American television to to syndicate its stuff, I guess basically before the BBC started making stuff that American television would want, Peaky Blinders, the latter sort of Doctor Who... I'm sure there's various other series as well that I'm forgetting about. But before that, most things on the BBC, you would often watch with like an air of like detachment. You knew it was a bit tin pot, but the writing was often pretty decent. Um, obviously, talented people working on stuff within the kind of limits of what the budgets allowed them to do. But sometimes... That kind of effect can make something even more creepy, I find. It can make something even more eerie when something actually looks a bit shit. When you see some of those old, like, B-movie horror films, um, like Motel Hell is one when the you know the guy's putting, like, the pig's heads on his thing and stuff. Real kind of, like, crappy kind of B-movie vibe, but there's something about it so horrible. Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well really really low budget movie really low budget and it's all the more horrible for it it's like a it's like a bruise on the brain that film horrible um i've watched it maybe 
twice in my life. Once and then the second time kind of as a bit of a hate watch. Great film, don't get me wrong, but as a hate watch just because it's so horrible. It's so miserable. Like I say, bruise on the brain. Um, but Threads is kind of like that. It's kind of janky production, just lends it to feel sort of more real, almost like you're watching, you know, maybe 2,000 years in the future, <laughs> some archive footage that was gathered around the time that civilization first collapsed in the 1980s when the Cold War kicked off because the camera quality is not great and all that type of stuff. But yeah, um, I heard an air raid siren, thought about stuff like threads. Um, there's almost an, there's another, in terms of the Cold War paranoia stuff, there's another great film. Um, it's by Raymond Briggs, a guy who did The Snowman. It's an animated one. Uh, what was it called again? When the Wind Blows, which is... Basically, it's a snowman for adults. It's horrible. It's brilliant, but it's horrible. Can you tell I don't want to talk about Tottenham anymore? I've gone from Tottenham to nuclear apocalypse. I think this is probably the time to end the podcast now. Check those things out, though. Threads, When the Wind Blows. Another good BBC film, not a nuclear apocalypse one. Pender's Fen. Um, That's another kind of in that ilk, uh, 70s, 80s BBC TV movie. There's a lot of very interesting themes at play in that really well-written thing. Um, it's great. Thanks to everybody who uh, is supporting the podcast now. Had a lot of very kind uh, yeah, support on the Buy Me A Coffee website that you can see the link to in the uh, in the Rule The Roost bio. If you are enjoying what I'm doing um, and you're in a position to do so, please do consider supporting the show. It'd be grand. Uh, it means I can as I was saying previously, upgrade some of the software that I'm using, upgrade some of the microphones, so on and so forth, bring the production value of the podcast up a bit more. I, th- I like to think it's all right at the moment, but, you know, always ever striving for perfection. Um, going to try and do a bit more video stuff. Don't know if you saw the little Champions League piss-takey Emmerdale thing did of Arsenal, a little rehash I did of that the other week. It's on the Rule the Roost Twitter account. Have a look at that lol share whatever but yeah thanks to everybody that is supporting the podcast so far um if you can support great if you can't please still continue to enjoy the content it's tough out there so i hope everyone's getting on all right um i'm just going to go through the process now and i'm sure it's boring for everybody but if you have enjoyed the pod as well please do share it please do leave a rating on your chosen podcast platform and also leave a review it helps it helps more people to uh to find the podcast to discover it if you enjoy it great um my friend jack house uh jack debaser 92 i'm sure many of you know him as well on twitter he actually sent me a, a link like a screenshot of a it was either a discord or a, or a reddit thread i wasn't sure um people saying lots of very nice things about this the solo pod um and just so you know it it made me feel good so thank you i do appreciate that very much um i'm glad that people are enjoying it and that it's almost becoming part of your post-game ritual um had a couple of people reach out to me and say that they you know it's nice it's just like having a chat to somebody uh after a game 
down the pub or something like that. So that's what I'm going for. I'm not going for big opinions. I'm not. I sort of joke about this stuff. This isn't about big opinions. It's not about being knee jerk. It's not about kind of clickbaiting a kind of massive opinion or anything like that. It's just me kind of just spewing out into the ether. So if you're connecting with that, I'm glad to hear that. Um, what I want to try and do, I don't know if you heard the pod a few weeks ago. I'm going to set up another kind of, we've got an old email account for, for the pod, but I can't remember the password or anything like that. So I'm going to set up another email account and I'm going to start getting people to send in voice notes. I'm going to start getting you to send in voice notes. Um, and I can do one at the end of each month of sort of various pe- people's different thoughts and everything about the uh, about what's going on at Spurs. I'll probably do a prompt out there. I'll probably ask you. It'll be like an A-B thing. What would you like? Yeah. What do you think about blah about the Son and Richarlison situation, for example? It'd just be good to have a sort of a, a wave of opinions um, on that. So I'll be on that. But anyway, for now, like I say, like, share, subscribe, all those things that wanky internet people that do content say. Come on, you Spurs. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.